Hello and welcome to the podcast all about Crystal Palace Football Club. This is For Love of Palace. Uh, got the usual two today, me and Chris again, as usual. Uh, we've got three new topics. We're going to talk about uh, Jordan Ayew. Um, the lack of wins, is it a problem for us? And um, just a bit of a fun one, talking about Newcastle and what it could mean in the future for Premier League and, you know, for their future, I suppose, in a way. All right. How you doing, Chris? Yeah, I'm, I'm fine, man. I'm fine. Cool, cool. Uh, let's get straight into it then. Um, we'll start off with uh, Jordan, are you? Right. Obviously, getting a bit of stick from some Palace fans like about his uh, always being picked first like, sort of name on team sheet and stuff, it seems, every week. And So there's, there's two things to it. So, so do you reckon if... At least he wasn't doing so well coming off the bench. Would it be so fierce or would it be? That's a good point, actually. Yeah. I mean, Lise O'Dowd's got a couple of couple of assists in the goal from the bench. Like both assists for Edouard as well, which is, you know, brilliant for us, especially the one against Arsenal. Um, I think that's where the problem lies, isn't it? People thinking, well, if he's so good off the bench, why can't he stay? And like AU hasn't, to be honest, isn't a right winger and hasn't produced in that position assist wise so I think that's why a lot of people annoyed at him being chosen every week I think but, yeah I feel like there is an element of, of that he runs a lot yes and in a high press system you need players that run a lot yeah that's you, the thing I think with Elise I, I don't know if he could do the high press for 90 minutes of the game well, like I think he, he could do it probably for most of the game but like A you will carry on and carry on like a workhorse like he does week in week out you know we've seen it you know he holds on the ball where he draw, draws the fouls when he holds the ball as well and he will always press the players and he oppressed a lot better than Benteke personally Benteke would get there but like at least say you will go in for the challenge Benteke just makes them play the pass out so it gets rid of them from their defense I mean this is the other problem though I mean if he wasn't playing right wing like the way we're playing at the moment with obviously one up front Edouard or Benteke up front he probably wouldn't get into our team he'd be third choice striker wouldn't he well, I think this is the, the kind of the, the issue we've got with the, the thing is, is is that generally speaking if he was if we are doing a death chart he wouldn't be a player that you would want starting every week but ultimately I think they've gone for the thing is that at least he's going to be the long term right winger yeah so that he's kind of he's the American football analogy is often you don't put the rookie quarterback in straight away. You, you give him time to develop. Yeah, like, you give him give him a little bit. Pitch, yeah. Even like Eze last season, Eze didn't go straight in. Yeah, Eze probably was for the first what, two three months used predominantly as a bench player to yeah. take off take off or well, AU really wasn't it? And obviously we know we know and how well as they finished the season, how well we played last season when he did finally get into the first team. And I think that's what we're well what we're definitely hoping Lee's they can, you know, get to. And when Eze comes back, hopefully Eze can just jump straight into doing what he does best on the football field. You know? But I think until Eze's back, AU's position right now, personally, is probably not under threat. Um well, I, don't know, I don't know whether or not much. with Newcastle and the way that Newcastle play, whether or not he's gonna get his he's gonna get dropped, not because of playing badly, but because of the opposition we're playing against. So you're gonna put Elise in 
like to run up the wings against their fullbacks. Yes, I, I think it's more likely that generally speaking, if you've got a less attacking left back, because mm. he's played against a lot of good attacking left backs in the last. Well, speaking, the the left back is Matt Ritchie, isn't it? Who gets extremely far forward. So to have someone like Lise just maybe play off him would benefit us more than having AU stand off him and wait for Richie to come towards him to do press. But Lise can make that space to guard the wing. Probably better, probably more. I mean, that, but, but we, that against Arsenal, obviously, getting another assist, I think, helps his case to maybe start again against Newcastle anyway. The Newcastle one's actually playing well. We do have to contend with um, them having... Not new manager sy- syndrome, but like a change of maybe philosophy under this under their assistant manager, like coming in to, to replace Bruce, isn't it? Well, I don't think anything will change between now and then. Like, it'll be a very similar thing. Yeah, you don't really change anything. Well, even if you've got a new manager coming in, he's going to try and play passing. If Eddie Howe's already lined up and he's going to be in the stand on the day, it doesn't matter. He, They've already set up their, their plan for the match beforehand anyway. Yeah. So the chances of that changing massively is probably not... I think they'll play the exact same way that they play on the Bruce. It'll just be a different person. Different personnel, sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, it's like... Saying to, saying to Chris earlier, though, like just before we started the podcast, I've signed back into uh, the Homestyle Online to for the first time since 2010, it said just to see what people were saying about AU and, uh, on the on the message forums. and How do you remember your password? Oh, no, I had, I had to do forgot password. <laughs> <laughs> I had to get that email, forgot password. <laughs> I, mean, I forgot the same email address, so it's fine, but I had to do uh, forgot password for it. But, yeah, it's not it's not pretty reading through some of the things. like. But there is also a good number of people who are standing up for AU saying, what we've said, and he's playing that position, but he he does well. He always tries to win the ball, runs down the players like with the press, and can draw the fouls. You know, and he does he does have a good dribble on him when he gets inside, but he's that's not his position to normally do that. But he can keep up the ball, and it seems like Vieira trusts him to do that drop. Like him and Vieira seem to, you know, see him in the training videos, and that they yeah, use always having a chat and actually smiling. We don't normally see how you smile, do we, on the thought field. So, you know, they obviously have some good, a good, like, rapport between the two of them, you know. Um, yeah, there's obviously a few people that are, but you know, the, the strange should be doing more, like, scoring more, especially. Like, well, the strangest thing about this is, is that go back, like, two years ago, and, like, the online opinion of a lot of vocal people were like, he's great, he's amazing, like, yeah. And then it's, I'm not sure if it's the same people who have turned or, so, or the different. They've turned on him from. But I'm not sure it, it's whether or not it's different people. People don't actually know he wasn't that good. And then and now it's kind of their opinion is coming right. So then they're, they're now yeah. being I more vocal the, about the, it. The and big the people... difference was when they was praising him was the fact he was playing up front. He was playing up front at that point and he was. I mean, he's been playing on a wide strike a lot. A lot. He, he, well, Benteke was, well, really out of form at the time. So he used to play the like Benteke start, I think, pretty sure start of the season. Uh, didn't play great, but AU came in, scored a goal, and then he scored, I think, like scored every sort of like third game or something, wasn't it? I think he ended up with what, nine goals at the end of that year, 10 goals or something? No, it's nine goals, yeah. Nine but... goals. And um, 
like we all thought, oh, it's turned the corner. We've actually found, you know, like a, the striker in him finally scoring goals because the year before he got, I think, two goals or something, three goals. Like yeah. Not a not at all. And at, at that point, Begateke hadn't even had a goal that season, I think. So, like, he was our only striker that was scoring goals. And then the year after, he then Benteke came back in and he sort of got pushed out wide. Like, and he got his goal against West Ham. I don't know if that was the same year, was it? Or... No, I think you're thinking that he was playing central. He was always kind of... Because he came on the, from the right against West Ham, didn't he? To... A lot yeah, of the time he was playing... Right. Four, if we were playing 4 three, 3 he was the, the wide strike on the right. In the same way that Wilf would be the wide strike on the left. Yeah, yeah. So he wasn't necessarily, he would be the support strike. He wouldn't necessarily be the main. I'm man. Sure I just remember Benteke being on the bench though a lot. Was it, yeah, but then it, I had... think it was Wilf, Wilf, um, Wilf, AU, and then Townsend, wasn't it? Pretty well, sure. Was it Mitch at the same games. time? It was one of those, or was that the other season? Or was this the time when we had. So look at the stats at the moment from the years. I mean, so yeah, that one one good season. We've obviously got nine goals. But I mean, yeah, the expected goals about the same time. And how many goals did you get last year? Was it? Was it just one? Just one, yeah. Wow. And he's already got an assist this year, though. So he's got one assist already. Yeah, it's the Arsenal game. Yeah, it's Arsenal. No, it wasn't against Arsenal, was it? He was... won the ball back and then it was oh, like, yeah, the first yeah. goal. Benteke ran, ran with the ball, didn't he? Costed, yeah. Yeah, so if you look at the match logs, he's white ringer slash forward. Right, yeah. He's not necessarily a striker. Occasionally left midfield. Left midfield. <laughs> when, you know, we were just changing it all up again. <laughs> yeah, There's the thing, though, like, for, for what he does for our team, like, with the press that we're playing at the moment, it's perfect. So, playing for 60 minutes, let him run about, like, because he will continuously run about and not stop. I think it's also worth mentioning that at least he is playing against tired players. Yes. Elise I think that helped playing, him. Yeah. yeah. I think until we, until we see Elise start a game, we won't actually see, like, what he can do for us, I think. That's the thing. I think maybe this Newcastle game might be the good chance to do it because... They're not doing. They're not doing well, are they? So maybe at least they come on. See, see if he if he can implement the same thing that Vieira wants of AU for Elise to do, and possibly get that extra, you know, maybe a goal or an assist from him, you know, because he's more of a winger than AU is anyway. Because that was his position that he played for Reading or behind the striker. I think it's worth times. worth mentioning actually when you talk about AU this season is that he's he's told to stick at the ring. Yeah. Yeah, like he's he's really that, inside, that, that short flank, that's where you've got to be. Yeah. Whereas I do think that in the seasons where he's done better, kind of in that, the, those kind of roles, it's been when he drifts inside, he drifts into the middle. Yeah. yeah. It's much more like what we, Wolf does on the other side. Well, that's the other thing now, actually, because Edward started on the left against Arsenal, but take out front. If Wolf is fit for the Newcastle game, do we then go Edward, Benteke? And Wilf, or it's Wilf possible. and Edward swap, so that'd be. Both I, I wouldn't put Edward. Or, say both off. <laughs> I wouldn't put Edward on the right wing, especially if you want to have, like um, Gallagher being the one that, that attacks that kind of area in the box. Yeah, yeah. Then you don't want him to be attacking that same area, so I think it would yeah. be more likely that. Be Wilf on the right. Yeah, or unless you move Gallagher to the other side. It's true. Yeah, yeah, you can move about a bit. 
Well, he runs everywhere, <laughs> literally. They've got to be up there with uh, the running stats all the fall. Him and MacArthur, especially MacArthur this year, got to be up there with the running stats all the fall. I don't know. I never know about those because sometimes you don't know when they're counting it. That's but, true. Yeah, when they start counting it, yeah. But, <laughs> it if, you've got, if you've got a lot of corners, does that mean your centre backs are doing lots of running? Yeah, <laughs> going up and down the pitch, yeah, like hundred yards a time. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah. Um, let's think of anything else to add about AU about why you think Vieira um, trusts him do you think well, it's, not, it's, just, it's, just, it's just the the, the hate that I don't really get yeah yeah like you, see, there, there's a lot of like I see a lot of things where people say he's, ho- he's hopeless it's like well no he's been told to do that one job and he's doing it <laughs> you know what I mean yeah he's not getting the goals he's not getting assists but that's not what he's been told to do, like, clearly, in that role. Well, it's just something that, that, that you can say that, generally speaking, if you're picking our best 11, you hope AU's not in it. That, that That's fine. Mm. That's kind of um, the position he is. He's a backup player who's yes. currently yeah. having a run in the team because the player that we would want to be the first choice player yeah. is learning and is coming back from injury. So it's a, a slow process. He's eventually, by the end of the season, should be the first choice. Yeah, I think it's a session plan. You know that kind of where we're going with that. But at the same time, you don't want to chuck him straight in. Yeah. So, so AU as a backup is now playing in the first team. And yeah. tr- truly speaking, you could say that maybe Palace should have bought a better first team one for now. Yeah. But then that would then maybe harm Elise's development while no, he's trying to get in. Possibly Ezzy's as well, though. Yeah, well, no, because they won't be competing because they're different wings. That's true. You'd have to put Zaha as the forward then, or maybe behind striker, possibly, depending on what we was doing. Yeah. There's the thing, though, because there's a few people who are saying, well, it's, it's actually a genuine question now, actually, because an inform AU or an inform Benteke as, a, as your striker, which one would you have? Benteke. I, I, I agree as well. That's the thing. So if if at least it does come in, and you think to yourself, like maybe put a you. But, but he would he, be. He, he's got. He is. He's. He's a good goal scorer. Like, but he would be shot. so far down the back in order anyway. He'd be third that's choice. He would be first choice because of third Edward choice. As well. uh, sorry, third. That's what I meant to say. Yeah. Yeah, third. Um, because Edward as well, and that's the thing. So even as a striker, the only way for him to be on the pitch, the only way for him to be on the pitch is to be playing at that right wing role, because otherwise he just wouldn't get looking. Because yeah. unless we change to a four four two, and it'd be in every so often, but the way we're playing at the moment, no need to change four four two. It's best football I've seen us probably ever play, like as as a team. So, what? Why change it? You know, <laughs> and that's the thing. And he hasn't. Well, the last time he actually played the four was what two years ago, really, wasn't it? So, when he did have that, you know, nine, nine goals in the Premier League, which. Yeah, it's not, well, not I don't mean he was. He, he, I mean, it was a purple patch, but I don't think he necessarily. He, he played that many games. Well, it was just him up front. He was the the secondary guy. I don't know. I don't know. I just I can just remember Benteke just being on the bench a lot, and it, it was Zaha Townsend, and then AU. Yeah, up but front. Zaha was also playing up front. So he was in a two, and it wasn't necessarily the, the main. Player in that moment, I'm sure. Yeah, 
Sorry. Did uh, what would you do? I see. I'm, I'm reading some of the comments on Times Dial online, and someone saying if if Schlupp wasn't so injury prone, he'd probably be above AU as well. Well, no, um, but they played different sides. Totally, right? Yeah, totally different side to the pitch. Plus, every now and then Schlupp comes in the centre midfield. He's played a lot, a lot more centre midfield games than on the wing for us lately. But like, it's the thing with AU, he keeps hold of the ball very well and he draws so many fouls to slow down the game if needs be. Well, he's not really done that recently, though. I think that's the, that was more under Hodgson. Oh, yeah, massively under Hodgson. It was give, give it to him so then we can just slow the ball, like, slow it down completely. Maybe he was playing a bit more up front than, than I. Yeah, he was playing for quite a few. Right? It's not this one. Was oh, it the, the Arsenal one? So that's, yeah, so. Oh, what, Arsenal for what, two years ago? Yeah, back when he was in the purple patch. Right. But I could swore that he was still kind of in a deep role, not necessarily as a. No, because it was oh, from there four five one. It was it was more probably four three three, but obviously way away from home. It might well have been four five one, but you're always gonna have so higher up there anyway. So yeah, this thing with that's mean at the time I put put sworn it was just there wasn't a lot of um, lot of faith in Benteke to even do anything in most of the games, and he was just constantly on. And then he'd come on for the last 10 minutes to defend, like, tell us to defend, like, corners or free kicks, Ben Take would. So you, like, got a good run in the team. But, yeah. Anything else on AU? We've exhausted our search on AU, I think, haven't we? <laughs> well, uh, to be fair, I was expecting you to be, like, getting out of the team, getting out of the club. And no, because uh... I, I can appreciate what he does for the team. Like, and, like, it's mean, like I said, the way we're playing now, we're pressing so much. He's a good presser. I like to keep him, you know, try and get that ball back. Like, uh, and until we see Elise play from the start in that same role, we don't know. So you're not frustrated that you haven't had a chance to see him playing that role then? Well, Elise? Yeah. Yeah, to be honest. Like, until we see it, but the thing is, we don't know. Like, until it happens, we, we won't know until... We see it, you know, and and at least they may do brilliantly straight off, but can he do it for say the seventy minutes that AU just constantly does press, 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 press? You know, Elise might come up differently, might not press as much, but he might get good assist. You know, like he's shown off the bench, might grab a goal in the box or something, which I actually can't see AU probably doing at the moment, playing in that role. I can't see him getting a goal at all because you really see him in that position, but. Like the assist wise. That is actually one thing actually where he's placed he's not shackled to that ring in the same way that the AU is. Yeah. But from well, like, like like that, free that, role kind of allowed, allowed to go everywhere. So well, I think it's if the ball's towards the left, he'll go in the middle. Mm. Whereas I think with AU, I mean he feels like he's been told to stay on stay that. Stay on that wing. Yeah. So that's his zone to, to, to attack. Yeah. Yeah. That's the thing, like so yeah, until we see at least they do it. Like there, and then we then we know if it's a good idea to keep Lisa and the team and AU as backup, or there's a reason 
Vieira's the manager and we're not. And Vieira knows what he's talking about by putting at you there. Yeah, I'll make a very boring podcast, Mark. Would. Well, we got to be, we got to be a little bit con- you know, like controversial and dictate what the manager is because clearly we know more. <laughs> Being Palace fans, clearly, you know. <laughs> but um, yeah, no, that's it. Until, until we actually see it done, Lise there, and he, even when Eze's back, I'm assuming Eze will be above AU on that right wing position if Zaha's going to stay on the left. You know, until we see them actually work, kind of Vieira. Yeah, well, the other thing about, about whether or not Eze might come in as a centre midfielder. Mm. So whether or not that that he would then be challenging Gallagher for a spot. Possibly, possibly. I mean, I don't think Eze does the dirty work Gallagher does, though. That's the thing. I think I can't. I can't see. I think Vieira likes Macarthur, and I, and I can't see Macarthur being dropped anytime soon. But he needs to, to, to rest the points. But he needs to rest the points, you know. And Gallagher is, is the young the young gun who doesn't stop running the whole game, and will will stick his leg into the tackle. As they don't know if he would do that, but he might be told to do that as a different role to his game now. Who knows? Because he, he hasn't obviously been full full contract training yet, so he's still got to learn the way Vieira wants to play. Still, you know. That, I mean, we all hope he's back. Well, in the next month or so, for what it looks like on training videos. But then there's probably another month of working on the system, like with the players. That's that's the whole problem. So we're looking probably end of end of December, January, till we actually see him being implemented into wherever Vieira wants to put him. Yeah, but who knows? Who knows? Yeah. All right, shall we um, say we take a break and go to come back for part two in a second? And we'll come back and we'll start talking about um, uh, is our lack of wins a bad, uh, a bad or a good thing at the moment? Okay, welcome back for part two for Love of Palace. Uh, this part we're going to talk about our uh, lack of wins and if that's a problem for us or not. Okay, Chris, you want to start with this one? Well, it's just uh, I don't know. So, so I've seen people go too far in on on this and say like that. Um, effectively, we're doing really crap because we've only had one win. Yeah. But then I've seen people go the other way and saying like everything's amazing. At the same time, I don't know. I'm just nervous about about effectively how we're going to do against teams that have a low block. Effectively, we were, we can play very, we can get very good performances against big teams, but then not get the points so much. Yeah. So we're averaging one point a game, which generally speaking is great because we're on par one for point, staying up. One point a game stays up. Yeah. But at the same time, <laughs> one point a game against the big teams and then you, you start playing as a, the lower teams, you want to get a little bit more to try and get push yourself yeah. try and push yourself up so it's yeah. a, so you're not in that conversation. Yeah. At the same time, the only time we've played against a team that, that, that I would say would have a low block or, or try and frustrate us was Watford. Yeah. And that wasn't at Celeste Park. And Watford we played them in the cup. I don't know how much you can take from that. Very early on in the season as well. I think as well that that like obviously Fiera is still trying to implement his 
his thing to the team, wasn't he? But I understand what you're saying there because, I mean, we played uh, we played eight games now and two teams, well, two teams in my mind are teams that are in and around us that we played. And that's Brentford and Brighton that should be in and around us by the end of the season if we carry on playing the way we are. The other team, the other teams we played all been top eight sides, we say, top seven sides. So, yeah. But then I also think our last two draws, Arsenal, if we won that, and if we won against Brighton, we were doing 14 points, and they're both last kicker games. It's frustrating as that is for any football fan. But again, we're playing a high press. This is something that happens in a high press, Yeah, is that your players get knackered, and you do last five minutes stupid game, stuff stupid in things, the... Yeah. And it also happens that you go on bad runs of form. This yeah. is the point where I'm a bit nervous about the, the the kind of only getting a point per game at the moment while we're doing well. Yeah, like, pick up more points while we're highly fit still for the because we haven't played a whole season of football yet. So like, I mean, often like you look at what happened to Southampton. Southampton were top for a little while, and then it went to pot. It kind of they went on a on a big losing run, yeah. and that can happen when you want a high press because everyone's knackered. And they find it very difficult to get back onto it. Yeah, the only team that's probably implemented that well in the last few years and still been able to carry on is Liverpool somehow. Constant high press. Obviously, two different aspects of. But players, there's but also a lot of quality there as well. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. Exactly. Quality worse for players, but Liverpool, for, well, ever since Klopp's been there. No, they've had like spells where it's kind of gone to. Badly last season was, you know, but they have they have been constant high press every since Klopp's been there. Generally speaking, the league, like <laughs> you know, generally speaking, they're always on like a three year with Klopp. You're always on a three year cycle where, yeah, like two really good years and then they're really bad year. Yeah, yeah, well, it's like they're on a good year at the moment as well. <laughs> so, yeah, well, last year it was a bad one. Yeah, they? last year a bad one. They're back onto a good one this year, like, and that's. Well, down to Salah at the moment, really, isn't it? Let's be honest. Guy just doesn't stop scoring. <laughs> but, um, I mean, yeah, so we, we like to get back to the Palace. We played eight games, we won one game, drawn drawn five, lost two. Unbeaten at home, which. But, but is, being unbeaten, I mean, if you look at Palace, at... Like, I, think, I think I read saying today, if we can't be at home to Newcastle this weekend, we break our Premier League record. No, we don't. Like of um, unbeatenness at home. At the start of the season. Oh, from the start. Of the season. Not from a. Not for during the season. Like no. This. Right. Okay. All right. Fair enough. I'll take that one back. It's all, you know, if if it's true, that'd be great. <laughs> but um, just to be unbeaten at home this start stage of the season, I've like um, four games that we four four games we had there five games. It's it's quite a nice feeling to be honest. Yeah, four games, I think it is. It goes into our fifth game against Newcastle. Four games, Liverpool. So, uh, Brentford, Tottenham, Brighton. Brentford, Tottenham, Brighton. Leicester? Leicester, yeah. Yeah, yeah. and then Newcastle this weekend, yeah. So, five, yeah. So, it's not bad. <laughs> no, but the, the, the point is, is that, generally speaking, if you're... Um, If this is a good one of form, mm. when the performances are good, what happens when it's our bad one of form? Yeah, if you know what I mean. It's like, our bad it, run of form would be a bad, bad run of form. Well, it doesn't, it doesn't need to be bad. It just means are we effective? 
Yeah, we're going to get we're going to have a losing streak of three or four games, which is quite common in, in kind of the, the bottom half teams. Mm. So at the moment we're averaging we're on par, so we should be okay. Yeah, but the point is, is that we've not played anything that's not been now kind of um, the higher end opponents. But if we're playing, if we're doing well against the higher end opponents, it's a different skill set you need than when you're playing against the lower end opponents. Yeah. Yeah. So we've got the lower end opponents who are already more defensive. And we already get caught on the counter. Yeah. And I wouldn't necessarily say, well, Leicester's probably a good counter-attacking team. The other ones, I wouldn't say any of those were particularly great at counter. Liverpool. We, Which we know, obviously, that's, that's just because that. But yeah, yeah Leicester. We didn't do particularly yeah. well against that. Yeah, yeah. But we did, it was a good game anyway. <laughs> um, but yeah, I see what you're saying. And the thing is right now, because obviously we have played so many good teams. I mean, we... I'm pretty sure every Palace fan at this stage of the season with who we played probably takes these points we got already and be oh, quite happy with the amount of points we've got from them, I think. And obviously the way we played, fantastic this season. But you look at the next run of games, so say the next what, four games, Newcastle, Man City, Wolves and Burnley. Man City is the only hard one out of that. And if we played what they had against Newcastle, which Newcastle have been atrocious all season, then we come out and do well against Man City. <laughs> it does, it does make you think. What's the what's the mentality there? Like you know, is the mentality just just go out and try it? Like be you, you know. It's, be but the challenge is different, though. Effectively, what, what your goals and what you're trying to do and how you're trying to do it is different. Mm. So effectively, you with with the Newcastle game, the onus is on us to be creating chances and being on top at the start. So effectively, the, the, we'll, we'll get the majority of possession. Newcastle probably, even if we change a manager, it's too late in the day for them to really change at all. Change much, yeah. So effectively, what will happen is they'll be quite happy with 30% possession yeah. and they'll go for the throw. Yeah, so like, around a bit, yeah. Yeah. At the same time, if they're very deep, how are we going to break them down? Mm. We've not really had to deal with that in the same way as... Yeah, with other teams, especially, yeah. Because those things against the bigger clubs, they come out and give you more opportunity if you get the ball that is off them. So then, because the most of their players are up there trying to attack you all the time, you've got more trouble to get around the back of them and pass it forward and stuff like that as well. But against like, someone in Newcastle, if, if they go to, say, a block of five at the back, how do we break that down? <laughs> that's that's the question. Yeah. Well, even just the old-fashioned kind of two two rows of four? Four, four, two. It's just, just, uh, just how, how do you... But break those down because yeah. at the moment, effectively, what we're doing is, is that we're we're not letting them them have possession. But if you're playing against a team that doesn't want possession, yeah, it's a bit different. You know, what I mean, like it's not the same. Especially coming away from home as well, uh, go, like going sorry, going away from home even uh, like Newcastle are the away team. Maybe like back in the day, it used to be like, oh, you get your wins at home, go away and you play for the. You know, if you get a point, you get a point. But nowadays, it's very much competitive, both ends, like home and away. But I think for a team like Newcastle, who are in a bit of a transition period, I guess, like because they don't know what's going to come next <laughs> around the corner, you know, whatever. So they're probably thinking, I'm not, you know, might as well give it a go. But at the same time, but even like, like even trying, <laughs> but even like know. Burnley, like effectively, like the way that, that, that a team like that beats the high press is you skip the midfield. Mm. Go along. Doesn't matter if if your midfielders are pressing up against your defenders because you skip it. Yeah. And at some point in time, like I think that, that, that like 
football is reciprocal. It, it goes around in circles. So one of the things I think that will happen is someone will work out how to beat this kind of high press that's going around everywhere. Yeah. And and the way that they're going to work out how to beat it is going to involve going long. It's, it does seem like it's become a very popular thing to do with teams now in the recent couple of years. It's a, a very high press um, well, to be, it, to do. It's how all the kind of data-driven teams are going. XG, United's everywhere. No, it's not necessarily, <laughs> but, but like, like the, the kind of the data is in like the, the Liverpool. So Liverpool, it's FSG, they're very data. They embraced Moneyball when it was kind of going through in baseball. So they weren't one of the they were the first big team that kind of embraced it, I think. Right. And effectively, that they they went all in on that. And now that they're doing the same with Liverpool, effectively the Red Bull Group, all of them, it's all about everyone plays high press. Yeah. The Barnsley Group, so, so the it's group, like the mentality of from doing it, they're trying to get their mentality from that club to be the same in that club and that club because they were all. A, same well, to be team of basically, but different countries they're playing for. I mean, uh, at even. yeah, so they're all playing like that style. Mm. So effectively, it's going to be a. It's the way that you can easily transfer players between teams because effectively you've got the, the same style. They're yeah. all drilled in the same way. Yeah. And I, I think that what's going to happen is people are going to find a way of dealing with it. I I think one of the ways you might be able to deal with it. Is by bypassing the midfield and going straight long. Straight direct. Yeah. So, yeah. And one of the teams that did that quite well was Burnley. So, so, so it'll be interesting to see how Burnley deal with us and whether or not how we can perform against Burnley, whether or not yeah. we are good enough to still be able to pressurise them without having to. Mm. Yeah, it's true, yeah. And how our defenders will, will react to, to them going long because there's not a huge amount of teams that do that in this level, the Premier League. Well, yeah, not. Yeah, the whole long, long ball thing seems very. Um, obviously, we know obviously certain managers that want to be direct. Tony Pulis, we've had as manager. Sam and Dice, <laughs> we've had as manager. It works in football, like it works. Well, no, teams it's, up, but it also it's a very tough watch of a football game. And Burnley, I think, like they've done it for years. But to be fair to, to Pulis, he wasn't necessarily. It was about having an organised defence mm, and back. and effectively. Yeah, like it wasn't necessarily always about being direct. It was it was more about being hard to beat and and being able to not lose twice. That was a big thing with him. Was effectively it was kind of a bounce back kind of like if you lose, this is what we're going to do better next game. Something. Yeah, it was very rare for him to to lose two on the bounce, so the points would rack up over time. Yeah, yeah. And effectively with um. I'm just very curious to see how this Palace side will do against the lower teams that everyone expects to win. Mm. Yeah. Because they haven't had to deal with that, really. Other than, I guess, Brighton games to Derby, so it's a bit different. And, yeah, I don't think the other games really... There was With Brentford, you kind of knew that what you were going to get in for... Yeah, I mean, things with the Brentford game is it was it was a obviously they're coming off the high from their win against Arsenal, wasn't they? And so most of the time when you when you've taken a scalp like Arsenal, who believe they're still a top ten team, um, Simon, you love that one. Um, <laughs> it, like it's kind of 
wow, we could do this. We, we, we've got the, the balls to take it to them. And then they took, they came to us and to like watching, watching us play against them. Like I thought Brentford was a better team against us. And you could tell their, their press, their pressure to get the ball back and then win the ball back. Like it was very good. The second half, they, they were just playing in the whole game. But the first half, they was a very good team and you could see why they've come up and what they're trying to do and why it's worked for but, this season as well. Like, but just generally, with Brentford, you just look at the amount of players that they, they've, as a championship club, look at the players that they recruited and how many of them are in the Premier League now. Yeah. Yeah, it's quite a few, yeah. And that's not an accident. The, the scouting system or the way they do... But it's not just scouting, because effectively, you've got to develop those players. Those players don't... Uh, it's only you buy... You're not buying yeah, they don't Premier League... already, yeah. 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 So effectively, they're developing and creating these players, they're, they're leveling them up and then selling them on. Yeah. And they're doing it at such a high level that they've managed to, to bring through how many strikers around the place that have. So was it Watkins, Watkins Muppy? Pay, uh, well, Tony, effectively. Ben, ben, ben Rama. Yeah. Um, uh, what's his name? Mbulo, Brian Mbulo, the guy that they're right winger now. He was the original, him, Ben Rama, and Watkins, wasn't it? Uh, B. Yeah. Was it? BMW, wasn't it? <laughs> it used to be called Zag. <laughs> but, but you see, I mean, the vast majority of those players they recruited in the championship. Yeah. Uh, this is, I was watching Brentford the other day, Pete actually, um, like my flatmate, and I said to him, the thing is with Brentford now, because they did that in the championship, which is great, because that's, that's a perfect place to progress yeah. players and make them better players than they are. Brentford don't have a youth team, do they? Because of this, it stopped the team five years ago, saying, wasn't it? So they don't have a they have a B team, yeah, and they're very B team orientated. Right. So they don't have a proper youth academy, yeah, because they don't like the financial. Uh, yeah, so it's hard to remember what it's about. But FFP, yeah. no FFC. So, so basically, yeah. when Simon Jordan hated it, well, effectively, it, your compensation is quite low if you develop a player. Unless you're in the, the higher category one status, yeah. Also, even then, the, comp- the compensation is nowhere near as uh, as good as it should be. So it's a lot of there's a lot of movement between academy sides, basically. Mm. And effectively, what they're saying was it wasn't worth developing the players for them then to get to pinched. Else, yeah. yeah. So what they were looking at was basically, oh look, loads of players get released at, at seventeen around London. From all these top end academies, yeah, let's just create a B team. They can, we can come up for that sort of thing. Yeah, and then what they don't, they don't play in any of um, reserve leagues. So what they do is they organise friendlies constantly. Right. So Brentford B will go off to Barcelona and play there. They'll play. They'll play Sutton United's reverse yeah. reserve team. They'll just go out there and play completely random. Yeah. Wherever they can get minutes. Yeah. Occasionally they'll play like an non-league team's first team when they've got some time. Like that, they all go out there and play anyone. Yeah, and yeah. they, they I the best way to put it, but like effectively they're doing their own thing. They're organising a lot of different games. They're going playing tournaments, that kind of stuff, and it's all about the development of those players to try and get them into the first team. And they do go into the first team. Yeah. So it's not like they're not developing youth players. It's just that the 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 top the age where they start their youth team is six. 16, 17. 17, yeah, yeah. It's not... They're starting at 10, yeah. 9, 10, sort of thing. But no, no, the thing is, when I was speaking to Peter, I was thinking to myself, because obviously they've got the uh, the links with the Danish club, isn't it? 
Well, they're owned by the same owners. The same owners, so a lot of their a lot of their players come from that club. Uh, like you know, whatever it is between them. No, they're, 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 of, not a lot of them. A couple of their players, are. and I was thinking to myself, like, if they're going to do that in the Premier League, though, it's going to be very hard. I to don't think that. Well, I, I don't think that there's any championship. That there was actually that many of them that went from one to the other. Like Serloff was one of the players that played for Michelin. Same, he, same, yeah, yeah. he didn't move to Brentford. Did he? No. Say no to him uh, or something, wouldn't it? At one point, right? I can't remember. It was, there was something weird about because they wanted him and he was like, no, I, was, I can't remember what it was. Uh, yeah, I have to look up that one at another time. But yeah, no, it was just like because obviously in the championship, that's a perfect place to do it. Like to develop the players to become well, what they are now yeah. today, but then to do the same thing, you know, oh, yeah, it'll be hard for them. But then like, they might have to not come in as good players already, which they need right now to keep progressing. You know, well, I think the other thing is, is that you won't have players that get game time and they won't necessarily get game time unless, yeah, because I'm, I'm assuming they haven't spent most of the money that they got for well, Watkins, Ben Rama, no pay. Actually, right. they're running at quite a loss. Oh, well, suppose the stadium, I guess. Maybe no, it's just it's, it, no, just generally. Really? They've spent a lot of money. So they, they, they spent a lot of money up front and to get themselves up the leagues, they've spent a lot of money. Right. So it's not like they're, um, they've gone up the leagues organically. They have spent a lot of money to go up the leagues. They've also brought in a lot of money as well. Yeah, yeah. But at the same time, their owners have invested they're a lot invested, to get them up to this level. Right. So it's not like it, they're not doing it organically, should we say? They've used investment. They've used investments and stuff, yeah. yeah. And what if they've got given from teams? Because obviously, the last, last couple of transfers, they got basically 60 million quid from Ben Rama Watkins. It's like a decent haul of money, that. And Tony couldn't have cost more than probably 10, I don't think, from people. No, he's quite expensive. Was he really? Yeah, no, well. I think you never get the official figures. But, no, of course. No. But I feel if I thought he was kind of an expensive player, he wasn't cheap, right? Because again, the things when you sell a lot of players to to teams, you'll um, they will know that you've recently brought in a lot of players, mm. so they'll then know how. Yeah, so they're saying it's reporting the region between five and ten. Five and ten, so it depend on like. What well, I think mean, it depends whose valuation that you listen to. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, so I think that that's generally speaking. And he's proved his worth. I mean, uh, he's still. I think he's what twenty five or something because he he started Newcastle didn't he, and had to go down a few leagues to then get up. And he's obviously he's, he's proven to be a real handful. That kind of big striker, big strong striker, and it's working out for him. You know, scored a lot of goals last year. Got a few goals this year already as well. So, but I mean, they're they're like look at the table now. They're ninth in the table, three wins, three draws, two losses, and for a promoted team, there's always one promoted team that gets up and does really well, like Sheffield United the year before, Leeds last year, you know, Wolves the year before that, I think, or a couple of years before that, you know, even Villa, like. I don't know if it was terrible. <laughs> they, it was last year they did well. <laughs> they yeah, scraped through. But um, yeah, there's always that one team comes straight up on a roll. Brentford's doing it this year again with Norwich. But I think they're one of those teams that, that's here for, to stay. I, don't, I think they're too well won for it to not. Not to keep, yeah. Yeah. I, mean, I think people are saying that about Leeds, though. And obviously, after like, how well Leeds. No, but I didn't say year. that about Leeds. 
No, no, I, I wouldn't have as well. No, because they didn't. The end of last year was terrible for them. People kept on saying, "Oh, Leeds are so good, so good." Blah blah. blah. All, all this was. Well, no, I Leeds think it's frenzy everywhere from the. I mean, to be fair to, to, to the media, I think it, it, it was Leeds are so much fun. I don't think it's necessarily good. <laughs> the fun, the fun, they're interesting. They'll, they'll score some goals and they'll concede some goals. That was more, I think, their point. And this year, they're conceding a hell of a lot more than this year, I think. You know, it's, 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 yeah, it's, well, they haven't started well at all, but again, with are the wins a problem for Palace? They've got one win, we've got one win. Same as Southampton. Even Watford's got two wins and they're still below us. Because of our draw, our drawing is great, <laughs> you know. <laughs> so, well, I mean, in general, as long as you're kind of you're getting a point a game, you're, you're safe, you're on par, yeah. But at the same time, I'm just nervous that, that, that whether or not this is the, 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 the good spell that then turns into a bad patch at some point. You don't want to be playing well all the time, you're gonna have bad patches, and when we hit a bad patch. You kind of want to have that buffer, you know? Yeah, yeah. I think I don't. I don't it's, it's strange because the way we, the way we are playing at the moment is fantastic. To watch as a fan, and we've been we've been calling out for years. That we just want to play good football, you know. Being in the Premier League now for was it nine years? So this season, yeah. It's we're like find finally can we get to a stage when we actually, you know, doing something instead of just. Clawing on to, you know. I don't know. I think you'd be a bit harsh about the other seasons. But like, oh, there was, there was a couple of good seasons. You know, it's bad. You know, we finished very well, and the thing we finished that, and stuff. But it's the play. I think we just we've just all been but, hoping to the way we're playing right now is what we've been hoping for. I think it's, it's worth mentioning while. that the time that we played the most attacking football was at the time we got closest to relegation. As far as I'm concerned, that was the Pardew time. Pardew. Yeah, that, that was the second half half of the season. No, 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 the first so, half when he got sat that. Oh, sorry, not the, not, the year, not the year of the, the FA, FA Cup, Cup. No, the no, one no. after. Yeah. Right, okay. Because, yeah, the year after the FA Cup started in December, it was like, oh, shit. Because <laughs> we started off really well. <laughs> and because we started off well, it kept us up, basically, didn't it? So, you know, yeah. imagine if we finished off the season that. So we had like a calendar year of being very good attacking, but still losing. Yeah, letting a lot of goals to Swansea game. Yeah. To mind. yeah. So it's the <laughs> idea true, of crying out for, for, for attacking football. It yeah. doesn't necessarily mean that it's always a good thing. Yeah. But I do. I do think. So obviously, this is the problem. The last half. Well, I think it was. If I, I think I'm right, saying the Arsenal one as well. It started off with a bad goal kick, and then they went up and got that corner. And it was obviously a bad goal kick against Brighton. Kicked it up. The other end and bounced and you know needs to like because the pretty sure from the Arsenal one he just kicked it into the middle. But is like I'm over and left that side. What the fuck? What are you kicking down the middle for? And and then it obviously went up the other end. And they yeah, but the thing is, it, not, not really funny. Ball. But there was like five mistakes in that. That wasn't just his mistake. Oh no, no, not saying it's just his, but it's just. To keep a call ahead and aim for your player. Don't aim for no one. No, but dude, I mean, you know? I'm not really funny. When you're doing a goal kick, it's not that as easy as like you're aiming for that he was aiming for the wrong player. It... Definitely aim for the wrong player, <laughs> for an Arsenal player. <laughs> but um, but yeah, obviously the mistake. Even if it, Mark, at no there, point it is he out. aiming for an Arsenal player. It did feel like it though. No, but Mark, like <laughs> no, you, you're you're, 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 you're launching it. 
50 yards upfield. Yeah. Chances are a bit of wind gets it. This gets it. You it. It's very hard to be that accurate at that, that, that kind of length. So generally speaking, if you miss hit it slightly, it's going to go completely, yeah, the... completely the opposite way, which you did. But like, you're right, though, there was still five, five odd mistakes in that whole thing. And yeah, it, it, it's just one of me, like, you know. Is he your scapegoat? Is he the one you're going after? The one no, you're I'm thinking... not going after. I'm just thinking, like, just just keep your head for a bit and be like, fuck. Like, especially after seeing like, the, the hurtful one was the Brighton one, you know, because it's Brighton. Like, it could happen against Tottenham, Man United, West Ham, whoever, but Brighton, <laughs> you, know, you know what I mean? And then to then have it happen again, Arsenal on the last, last, literally last kick of the game against, oh my God. But that wasn't his, I don't understand. I'm just thinking, no, like, I'm just thinking, like, if we just kept our call to obviously win that 1 0 and then win that 2 1, we could have been up to like sixth on the table, barring goal difference, maybe seventh or eighth. And it would have, it would have been nice and pretty. And three, get three wins already would have been really bloody nice, you know, but. You know, we, we didn't lose them at the end. We still got two points out in two but, games. So, but Mark, if you want to play that kind of style of, of football, this is what's going to happen. Mm. I'm not not being funny. If you're playing high press, teams get knackered. You'll because you let goals. You will also go on, on runs of bad form. That, that your players will all get knackered and things yeah. will happen, and you'll just go on a bad run, and then you'll go you'll hit three, four losses and rounds. That's what's going to happen at some yeah, point this season. The other thing actually, to obviously players need to obviously rest and stuff. Obviously, Gallagher's been a massive plus for us so far this year. If, say, we need to rest him, who do we bring in to do that role? Or how would we play? Would we play McArthur, Milivojevic, Kyoto? Or would we play Hughes, maybe? Because we haven't seen Hughes yet. And I it's possible we might see Hughes. We might see the, 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 um... where he plays sort of thing at the moment. Because like, he started off a right, right mid at Derby, and then he was sent a mid at, at Watford. But is he that defensive midfielder, or is he... The so in, in the I'll go for a battle against you midfielder. In the championship for Watford, he plays a defensive midfielder. Right. Um, but I doubt we're going to play him like that. I think generally speaking, he's probably going to be a centre midfielder. Occasionally, go to to the kind of defensive so role. He could probably do that that kind of a role, possibly. Then possibly. Because I mean, he could, if he's to run around like that. Well, the, the, the things I mean, he will necessarily run around like that. But one of the things he could do is is might be quite good in the attacking side of things. Because he was, he was, he was, he was, he was a number 10 for Derby in the championship. It wasn't like he was, um, that defensive for them. So he might be able to do both and kind of, because he knows the role sort of thing, yeah. 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 So he could help out when going forwards and he's, he's attacking that zone that's just on the side of that penalty area. Yeah. So he might be able to then kind of help out on that side. But, and then still be able to help with the defensive side of things because again yeah. he was playing as a defensive midfielder okay. for a while, so he might be able to do help out on a couple of roles. Maybe it's just so we just have to wait and see until he comes in. It's just strange that he hasn't even had ten minutes. No, I, I don't <laughs> think it's it's that because I think he was bought as a as a first choice. Oh really? I think he was. This is his still, role. Still it's, waiting for him to get his fit, match fitness. Maybe. No, no. Actually, generally speaking, he's not necessarily the first choice. Yeah. Yeah, and he's gonna to have to wait for his chance, and eventually someone will get injured, and he'll get five or six games. Yeah, okay, it's right. So we uh, take another break then, and uh, come back for part three.
that to for Lover Palace. This part three. Uh, this part we're talking about uh, the takeover at Newcastle. You know, a bit of fun and it's stop saying it's know, a bit of fun. It's a bit of fun because Newcastle is fun. Like it'd be funny if they went down with this new takeover. <laughs> it'd be the most fun. <laughs> All right. Uh, obviously, massive news uh, this week. Obviously, Newcastle being taken over by. Well, one of the, one of the richest people in the world, I'm guessing, with the amount of money they've got. Well, uh, <laughs> so it's saying like it's now four four hundred and fifty billion pounds or something. But it doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to chuck all that money at football. Oh, I, mean, I, would, I would love for them to chuck all that money at football. Just chuck it away. Yes, yes. Considering what they're doing with the rest of the money, yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. So, I've, yeah. I'm just trying to the best way of putting this. This is really bad. Um, <laughs> so effectively, how should we just go over a couple of things? Because things part of the reason why they're doing this is to make their brand less toxic, right. so that they can have a nice thing to talk about when they talk about the Saudis. So football comes across as this is a nice topic we can talk about around the world. It's different people, like if they're meetings. Oh yeah, you're the you're. In, XYZ now at Newcastle. Oh, it must be going really well for you. So it creates that straight away a good topic to start with. I think it's just the general crap. PR thing because effectively there's a lot of bad PR for good reason. Well, they, don't need, they don't need Newcastle at the end. They do that, to be honest. So. Well, no, it's, it's not necessarily even that... need them. <laughs> I don't think Newcastle do. They, were, were... they didn't want Ashley. Well, the fan, oh, yeah, fans actually. Newcastle definitely needed Ashley because obviously money wise, but the fans didn't want Ashley. Well, he, he ran them self sufficiently. That's what self sufficiently. Yeah, one Premier League football club looks like they, it's, a, it's a bit grim. Like is it then like, the, the people that are coming in with all this money? It's very grim. Yeah, I mean, just look at. Okay, so I'm trying to think the best. So like how Yemen's getting bombed, and there's a proxy war going on there. That's really nasty. Yeah. Okay, and then you have got the kind of how they do construction in that country where. It's very close to slave labour, not quite, but, but it's very yeah, close. Massive human rights kind of red red light that's going on there. Yeah. Then if you're um, a person, a young person in that country, you're expected to get married quite young. Uh, effectively, if you're not conforming to that, it's jail terms and. Well, no, it's conversion terms. So, so if you are a gay person in that country and you, there's a lot of social pressure for you to to. To become straight, and they'll try and push you into um, really barbaric and quite horrible treatment to try and not make try you go. Try and change you to be a straight man or a straight like lady. I don't know person. about the the women so, so much because when I've read about it, it seems to be more focused on the men. Right. I don't know whether or not that's just because I, I don't even want. I don't probably know. Not, probably not good one but, to get into that one. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. But it's just, it, yeah, the, the stuff I've read, it, I think it's important to mention it before we kind of go into, into other bits, just because it's grim. But this is the reason why they're doing it, is so that, that that's not the first thing that happens when you Google Saudi Arabia. You know what I mean? Like This now, Peter, because the first thing that come up, which what I did to Google earlier, was Newcastle. Because I, I, obviously I've heard, obviously, just talking about a little bit how bad it is and stuff like that. And just like, just type in just Saudi Arabia fund, which is the, the 
think it's called, isn't the, or whatever it's called, the Saudi, yeah. whatever it is, fund, come up with just Newcastle. And it was everything, a whole page on Google was just Newcastle, nothing else. Yeah. So I couldn't, I didn't delve much deeper into that other than that, just looking at Newcastle stuff after that to talk about this in the podcast, really. Yeah. <laughs> so, but, but again, like, the general person wouldn't necessarily, I don't know, should be aware that, that things aren't necessarily great there, but at the same time, wouldn't be like an expert on it. I'm not an expert on it. It, it I know it's just grim, mm. and I know it's. But at the same time, I think it's worth saying that, like, obviously, stuff that we're saying here is is coming from what we've read. It might, obviously, it's it's not a truth in it. But it's also no, it's hundred percent true. This is this is what's happening. Yeah, yeah it's hundred percent truth in it. But it's also might be some wrong things we might say because we might say because we haven't fully read into it and stuff. We're just reading it from whatever website. So. You know, don't take this like we're. I think people will understand. But again, like it's not the only kind of dodgy money in the Premier League, is it? No, like, no, exactly. I mean, you've when Ravanovic had his Swiss passport bought turned down, and he's not currently allowed to work he's in this country. Allowed to work in this country, is he still? Yeah, but he still owns Chelsea. Yeah. Like, well, you, you can't stop someone from owning something. Well, I think you put in something like into his son's name or something. Uh, it's sound weird. No, he still owns the club. It's not. Oh, so he hasn't done that yet, then. No, so I don't, I don't know what you're like, about. Maybe there's a thing I read that he was thinking about putting into his son's name because he couldn't. He wasn't allowed in the country, but his son still was allowed. <laughs> I think the issue that they've got is that they're not quite sure whether or not him attending matches counts as work. Right. So he's not allowed to work in the country, but he's allowed to come into the country. So there's a lot of questions about whether or not if he turns up in the executive box, yeah, would it be like when um, is it work trip? Yes. Yeah. At what point does that become yeah, a workshop? Yeah. yeah. Or, or was that or pleasure? Or just watching football because you now support that team because you own that team. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so like, it, yeah, it's awkward. So, so I yeah. can see that they might be looking at that, those kind of things. So generally speaking, it's not like the Premier League doesn't have with a lot of Chinese money. China's got a lot of problems, yeah. well, a lot of issues. Yeah, issues. Yeah. It's got the obviously the Qatar money, Man City, and uh, I think is it Aston Villa or is it Villa the Americans? I remember. Villa was Americans. I don't know who the current owners are actually. I think I think it might be Villa as well, possibly. Because you don't hold me to that, but um, definitely Qatar money that that we obviously all know about Man City. And up until now, they were the richest club in the world. Uh, were they? They were. Yeah. Apparently, according to the wealth of the owner, the wealth of the owner, not, not club itself. Well, the thing I is, think it's still Man United or something like that. But well, no, owner. It, it's a silly debate because you could say like you could have a lot of people, very wealthy people, that have a very small stake in a club and say, "Oh, look, the, the wealthiest club because they've got a hundred millionaires that have all put in a tenner." You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, <laughs> they haven't basically put in much, but because they are all millionaires, it makes the club like massive. <laughs> and like, like um, all the other the things of Palace owners, the, 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 how rich they are. In combined, it was like, well, actually, they're probably missing out on a lot of people yeah. because there are other shareholders in there that are very solid. We've got a lot of minority shareholders, yeah. and the things with, with it is, is because we, our ultimate holding company is based in Delaware, the state of Delaware, which the only thing I know about Delaware is that you don't have to disclose who your shareholders are. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah so, 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 so we could have hundreds of shareholders. <laughs> we know. generally don't know, yeah, yeah. and who necessarily owns 
one thing about it is is that they do have to as part of the Premier League rules. If you own more than ten percent, you have to be on the people of significant interest list. Right. So we know people who own. Yeah, you have more, to announce who's in. Yeah. Who's you don't have to announce it. You just have to have it on the website. Oh right. So like we have that person appeared that's on there that I, that um we still don't know much about at all. Talking about um. You not Texter the, no, um, the other bloke. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Can't remember his name. From a few back. back, we talked about it. Yeah, talk, <laughs> um, so yeah, um, obviously Newcastle on that though. Obviously, their whole yes. situation, obviously now coming in being the richest club or the richest owners that own a, own a football club. If it's, like, just because uh, they're rich doesn't necessarily mean they're going to invest. Yeah, it doesn't mean they're going to spend. But then at the same quick. time, the Premier League's moved very quickly to to stop them from sponsoring themselves. Yeah, yeah, yeah that was. Um, I saw a thing today, uh, a quote from Parish Parish apparently um, stood up and was like basically very, um, uh, what's the word, assertive in speaking to the other chairman of the of the, of the other teams and saying, you cannot, you cannot do this. Basically, and a couple of them apparently come out and said, oh, it's really, he, we changed their mind because of what he said, and that's why they end up getting the 18. Well, no, it's... Because it, they was worried about it maybe getting sued or something. Well, no, so, so the, um, it was reported in The Athletic. Um, it kind of started with, effectively, the outgoing CEO of Newcastle. So not the, the new person that's been at maybe a, a point. I don't know who the new one's going to be. Yeah, but it's the outgoing so... one, which is a really awkward situation for him to be. He's about to lose his job. You know, new owners coming in. Yeah. I don't think this is... I mean, maybe he'll keep his job, but probably not. Well, this is what I'm confused by, because I thought Ashley was 100%... Owner. The CEO is not an owner. The so CEO is the person that runs... Right, because they bought 80%. They haven't bought the 400%. No, the other... So is Ashley still the 20%? No, no, it's another... It's the... Um, there's another group that... There's another group that has a stake in it, basically. Yeah. Maybe it's a and it's the, group or something. Maybe. And it's the person, that, the, the lady that everyone's taking pictures of, oh, being quite nasty about. What, the, the one, the new person? Yes. Oh, Amanda. One of the faces. I don't know her name. So, but people have been really like nasty about her online. Of, of she looks like a vampire. She's, yeah, but I, I think like we'll bite your head off at one swipe. <laughs> <No. laughs> I just added to that. Some cool <laughs> I did see one brutal treat actually. Really? So um <laughs> One to show us after the podcast. <laughs> like basically, it, it was kind of a statement from Newcastle, basically saying, "Don't wear handkerchiefs on your head because oh, yeah. it might offend Arabs, but the ownership aren't offended by it." Uh, this is what I was, I was going to mention actually about it because obviously we saw at the but was it Leicester they played the weekend? Leicester wasn't it? And um, it was no, it, Spurs. Sorry, wasn't it Spurs? Yeah. There was obviously a lot of and and the cameras were focusing on the fans with the tea towels on the head and stuff. But I saw, uh, I was reading an article today about it, that come out and kick out of planning talks with the club to stop the fans wearing the mock headdresses because so you kick it out nowadays and obviously we can talk about like equality and, you know, racism at the moment, kind of in the same bracket of, you know. But what one of the, the brutal replies about it was that uh, 
basically saying in English culture it is considered um, rude to murder a journalist. <sighs> Ouch. Jesus. And that's one of the other problems with this. Uh, because they, there's protests outside that, that people did a, a um, Kickstarter to get um, one of them what moving billboards, you know, the ones yeah. that attached to oh, the yeah, car yeah. and it had a picture of the journalist and a picture of like the Saudi prince or king or whoever they go by. And yeah, I'll see about it because obviously trying to protest against the their ownership of you know of, of that, whether or not they're connected in any, any way, I don't know. Like, no, yes, yeah, so it's kind of the Saudi government or denied it, but then kind of admitted it. The CIA, been, been so, so like CIA found out and said it was actually a murder. And it could have been up to fifteen assassins, apparently. Yeah, um, effectively. So, so the um, it was in the Turkish embassy. So it was the so it was it was a Saudi embassy in Turkey. The journalist had been living in America for the last two years. Um, he knew that, uh, that if he was going back to Saudi Arabia, his life would be in danger. Um, but still went. Well, he went to, but he was in Turkey, wasn't in. Oh, he wasn't. Yes, that's it. He was in Turkey. Of course, it was. Yes. Yeah. So he was in Turkey, and effectively, he thought he'd be fine in an embassy, because generally speaking, people don't do that kind of stuff in an embassy. Yeah, because that's the fuck. <laughs> yes. Yeah. But he's it's very blatant. Yeah. <laughs> and in fact, it sounds quite amateurish as well. Some of the things that, if you look into some of the details, it didn't seem like it was a. Wasn't like a professional. It didn't feel like a spy movie. It felt like just people being horrible and idiots and I don't I don't know I don't know it's just just you know got some obviously weird um well things like so for example things come out after a while they, they admitted saying his body left there in a big rug and, and someone disposed of it but then they found Couple. body parts burnt in a trash residence oh. nearby from who worked in the embassy. Wow. Okay. So I wonder there's the like, there a, there's a thing about, like, you know, they bad? chopped him up and they tried to cook him in a pizza oven. What the fuck? Jesus Christ. I didn't read that far into it. <laughs> wow. Okay. So yeah, there's a and lot of, that's, uh, no wonder they're protesting about it. I just assumed because of the murder of, this American. Well, guy. ultimately, I mean, look, and he's already dead at that point. On from Saudi Arabia. Wow. Well, that but at this point, he, he was already dead. I mean, I don't, he just. Wow. Yeah, it just seems. Yeah. But, but they're doing plenty of horrible things. It's, it's not necessarily just. But it's not like a. I don't, it. It doesn't bother me that that they're spending the money on a football club. It does bother me that they're um, what's his face. They're trying to use it to get good press. Yeah. So as long as people mention the bad stuff, yeah, I don't mind. So I'm I, just being Newcastle fans being happy that they've got ownership that's going to spend loads of money doesn't bother me so much as long as people mention that gay rights are a good thing. Yeah. That you know what I mean. Like, this is this is I watched Monday Night Football. And obviously after the Palace game, and um, I watched right to the end. Gary Neville had a um, like a big kind of um, like, well, a massive rant about what to say about it. And it's, it's right what he said. That I don't. He basically said, I don't care about uh, them buying up Newcastle, but 
because now we're talking about it. Now we're talking about obviously the to try and change the LGBT thing. Like women in sport over there is only just well recently, last few years, it's only they've been allowed to do it. Well, I mean, also recently, see. they weren't allowed to drive until recently. Yeah, start stuff like that. Now you we're not allowed to be it, out. So it's now putting Saudi Arabia on the map to say but, uh, why are you not doing this? Human rights now. This like why you're not doing this and like why you know which they're trying to drive change now, like, because people are now talking about it constantly. They're now in limelight to make their um, sort of government or trying to force their government to change things now because they're constantly being talked about it and they're getting bad press about it because it's all being brought up about all the stuff they don't let people do or they they don't let people live their own lives. They're trying to control their lives and stuff like that. And that's a good thing now. And that's what... And, uh, Obviously, Neville was saying about see how bad the human rights stuff is, and he's now saying basically like because it's being talked about, it's a good thing, and I agree because now it's going to be talked about for now because of football, it'll get talked about every game Newcastle playing in, every every time it's going at some point it'll become normalised. It'll be normalised, but at this moment of time, it's everywhere now, and in a way, it's kind of forcing their hand to... Well, no, it's not, because we're still all selling arms to them. Stuff, yeah. The British government had a court injunction saying not to do it. They've been fought back, and now it's, a, it's legal for them to sell arms to Saudi Arabia. We're selling them arms. We're one of our biggest customers. I mean, like... Which is pretty bad. Yeah, yeah that hasn't changed. Yeah. Because the, the, they've chucked some money at Newcastle. Really? Yeah. So I think... And I, it's one of the things, like, it obviously won't change overnight anyway, but... The fact people are now talking about it instead of before it was sort of like, you know, it's their country, let them do whatever they want, even though we all know it's totally backwards and wrong on all levels of like, you know, but now it's being talked about everywhere and now everyone's, like even people that probably don't even like watch football or know much about Newcastle because it's everywhere, they're seeing it on their phones, they're seeing it on websites, they're seeing it on don't... papers and whatnot, you know, so they're like... It's now finally coming out. Yeah, talk about it more. Let's feel like obviously. So, so one of the questions I was going to ask you about: if this was Palace, what would you have done? Well, probably wouldn't have gone to the extent by a tea towel. I probably would have been like, "Wow, what the fuck's going on?" And <laughs> like, probably, would you well, use a second-hand tea towel? You saying? Yeah, you use one. I already got. <laughs> <laughs> No, joke aside, no, it's just like stupid in the lights anyway. Like, cause why? Um, but yeah, if it's, if it was Palace, I think I don't know because like we've never had like crazy money like that. I think the only the crazy money we're getting is right now. We've already kind of got no, it. No, so no, we like, did have crazy money with Goldberg for for about three months. Yeah, yeah, and it all blew it up. Went, it went, yeah, totally blew up. Yeah. But at the same time, that wasn't particularly like that you, wasn't crazy money. What but it wasn't now, particularly but... fun though, because effectively you would have a player come in every week. Yeah, you didn't well, feel before the times of transfer windows. Yeah, well, so it's just like, who? What's this? Okay, new person. Okay, but literally, I think we had fifty-three players play for us that season. <laughs> yeah, a lot. Yeah, hell of a lot. There's been like if it was Palace, like that, I mean, it, it, I mean, first thing we'd all be asking if it was Palace was like, well. Can we finally update sellers <laughs> a bit more than just waiting for fucking Sainsbury's to, you know, or just pay Sainsbury's to bugger off 
the money they want <laughs> to finally get it done. You know what I mean? Because like, I don't, I don't think the same is actually the, the, the biggest problem with that. It's just, I mean, there's something else there, I think. Like, that's the thing. I think there's something else there, but like, obviously, one of the problems is the Saints. No, I think it's the last hurdle that they're going to go over. And at that point, I mean, they're negotiating the price down to the point where eventually they'll, they they'll just do it. Yeah. But at the same time, if that was the last hurdle, I wouldn't be surprised if Ashley went, oh, yeah, we'll give you what you want for it. Yeah. I mean, it's the last thing that they're going to get to. So, in the last thing when he did the, the, the very good interview with, um, Hopkins to cut one power shed interview on these Patreon podcasts. It was very yeah. good. Um, I think they were they were looking at reviewing things for the plans. So whether or not after COVID, whether or not COVID probably fucked that a little bit. To be honest, with you. I think it's just whether or not. So I think completely silent. <laughs> so um, I think generally speaking, it might be that whether or not. Safe standings now are things, so whether or not that might be incorporated into it, maybe they might look at changing a couple of things here and there. Whether or not they can sell that much amount of corporate space, mm, yeah, because I think the big thing about that was all about adding as much corporate space as they could, yeah, and whether or not they can sell that amount of corporate space will have a huge amount of impact on whether or not it's worth doing it, yeah, yeah. Well, I think like the corporate spaces there would all move from suddenly called an advertiser stand, all, all there. Obviously, the boxes there would be moved into the new stand, and then what gets made? They them, would stay there, and they would but, just be there, and that's it, just empty. No, no, so, so or, no, no, they would still be there. They're not going to get rid of those boxes, but those boxes will also have access to the lounges that have the um, right, yeah, because it's yes. yes, yes, yeah, of course it would. Okay, yeah. So if it was Palace, I think that'd be one question. Be like, right, finally we can get Celeste done. Players wise. Obviously, we've had a brilliant summer players wise. So, to, to me, right now, like, if you asked me this last year, I probably would be on the same thing of Newcastle fans right now. Like, oh my god, we, get, we can get this person, we can get this person, we can get this person. But we just brought in some very good young players, and I'm very much looking forward to the future, see how where it lies with us. So, I'm really, yeah, I didn't really think about what it could be if it was Palace. Just, so, yeah. so, talking about the human rights element of it, what would you? Well, would you be inclined to be like the fuck F this and want to do a AFC Palace or or Southern United or something or? No, I wouldn't. I would never leave Palace like for that. But obviously, I'm I probably reading more into it to be honest. Probably because I, I like I said I yeah. typed in about the no, thing just reading in for this tonight. I probably would have done a lot more reading into it just to be like uh, open my eyes a bit more of how bad it is, you know, over there and stuff because. Beforehand, I was probably I was on the cast, but just like if it's on the news, I hate watching news just to turn over. You know what I mean? So I never really knew a lot of how bad it was until I started reading up about. It. I've heard a lot of it through obviously football recently, which is probably the same with a lot of. Were you aware of what happened to that journalist beforehand, or were you no, vaguely? I didn't have a clue. Like the first time I heard about that is when they said they were doing a protest. Um, I think a couple of weeks back, I was like protesting what, like. That's interesting. No, so I didn't have a clue anything about this journalist thing. Yeah. So, yeah. And I'm guessing, like, I mean, when did this happen? About two, three years ago. So we probably put him in on the news and I've just... No, it was a massive like, deal at the time. I've just flicking through and not been watching news, so... And there's been a lot of different developments that have happened. There's been an ongoing thing. Yeah, yeah. Because at the start, they denied having anything to do with it. And, and then they said it was an accident, and then... It... Oh, yeah, and I've read that bit, yeah, about the, actually the denying it, and then the CIA's been like, no... 
the fuck. They released the foot like the um the Turkish were were bugging the um embassy. Oh. And they released the audio. Oh wow. Jesus. So, yeah. Oh, I'm not gonna go down that rabbit hole anyway, because just like Yeah, it's grim, yeah. Yeah, it's grim, yeah, very grim. Um but what would your what would your thoughts if it was Palace though, similar? I don't know. To be honest, it's it's because we, we we nearly remember this. We nearly got that kind of feeling when we was in the Premier League last time, and we thought um, that bloke might have bought us. Um, what's his name? The dictator guy. Um, yeah, I can't remember his name now. He's passed away. He's yeah. He's from around about the same area, wasn't he? I think. No, it's Northern Africa, and I can't remember the name of it. Is it Libya? No, it's Libya, isn't it? it? Might have been Libya, yeah. Oh, and he was... begins with G, I think. His last name. Um, Jesus, it's fine. Fine. Yeah, it's, yeah. But yeah, nearly on that stage of like that much money back in the day when there wasn't as much money as there is in football then, and I think we was all like, "Oh my god, here comes a massive takeover." <laughs> You know, because we had the time we knew obviously Jordan was going to be struggling if we went down. I think anyway, didn't we? I think it was before then. I think it was it was it was around ninety eight. I think it was when administration. No, no, it was when we was in Premier League. In under no, no, it, it it wasn't. Jordan hadn't bought the club by then. I thought it was, no, it was... Had the club in two thousand four. I thought it was like ninety eight. He was looking at it. No, no, no. It's it been because there was also talks of Doctor Dre at the same time. Oh, yeah, <laughs> it was just like, oh my god, that's even funnier. <laughs> no, it wasn't him, P. Diddy. P- oh, yeah, not Trey, yeah, P. Diddy, but the, there's the other guy that was the main guy, wasn't it? The um, who we thought, fucking hell, this could be a lot, a hell of a lot of money, you know, coming in, but yeah, but yeah, so like, obviously, I think just haven't really thought about it as a Palace fan, just thinking if, if it was us, you know, just because I <laughs> just didn't really think about it, but yeah. Because I think the thing is, I wouldn't I'd probably go to start with, but I would make, I would hope that we'd be making noises that would I mean, be. Yeah, I think there would be noises happening. I think Hollywood fanatics would probably start doing stuff as well, possibly. Certain songs kind of having a go at the new ownership rather than necessarily embracing well, you them. I think as well, like the fanatics have been very. Um, but they're not that political. We're talking about Premier League greed and yeah, but and, like, um, it... like the, the, the Man City owners a couple of times with the banners they put up and stuff. So yeah. imagine it was then it was us. They would have to carry on. They couldn't just change their their heads, really, would they? <laughs> You'd think anyway. Yeah, I think they probably would put up some noises. I think. Mm. Yeah, but it's an awkward position for them all to to be in because effectively this is a, a pastime. This is a it's yeah. It's, it's a hobby. It's something. Well, no, not necessarily about power, it being passed, but but it's a pastime. It's a hobby. It's not necessarily something that should be weighed up with. I don't know. It, it feels weird that it's weighed up with all this stuff. Yeah, with everything else that comes with it. Yeah, and it's not like necessarily there isn't dodgy money going around the league anyway. Oh no, of course not. But I think the other thing with it with it being Newcastle now is because I I actually genuinely believe Newcastle fans. Uh, I've got to that point where they don't actually give a fuck about this other stuff because they were they're happy about no, this. Finally, Ashley's out of club. Thank fuck. I don't care about it. Ashley's out because it's been what 
10 years or something of him being there or whatever it is. It was and like 14, think, but yeah. Yeah, I think they're just like, fuck, get, finally get him out. I don't care what's happening. But then, I don't know. I think that's the way that... Like, oh, whether it's Chicago or now. <laughs> so it's like, okay. <laughs> I think it's the way that they're portrayed. And I think it's the way that it would be handy for the Saudis for, to be like that. And remember that our government is quite close to the Saudi government. Um, so it's quite handy for it to be like this. Yeah. At the same time, I'm not sure that's necessarily how everyone there thing feels like. I think that Oh, yeah, I suppose. I'm, I'm saying everyone that's probably, yeah, it's probably taking it out a bit too much. But I think, yeah, there's a, there's a big proportion of the golf fans that be like, I don't give a shit. But, yeah, there is probably people that are... I mean, there's a lot of, it. there are some yeah. that maybe start getting to false equivalencies and stuff. Because again, as we say, say that you know there is a chairman of a, of butter, an owner of a, of a Premier League football club that can't work in this country. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's unusual. I think it's not necessarily. Yeah, um, but um, I think... he can't watch his team play because he's worried about whether or not it, it, it deems it as work. No, that's the thing. Yeah. Okay, um, just thinking. Hello. And then we do another one. Okay, well, well, we'll be back in a second. I think we'll. Okay, um, yeah, so obviously we talked about Newcastle and. Carry on a little bit more about Newcastle now. Um, I read, uh, I think it's last week or the week before, um, article by Paul Merson, and um, it basically saying what Newcastle need. Obviously, when the takeover happened and stuff like, you know, Newcastle fans are thinking January in the summer they're going to get Mbappe, they're going to get Messi, they're going to get everyone around the world, which it's not as easy as that because then they convince a team that. Possibly might just out this year, depending on who they buy in January, for players to come to that team without Champions League football. Unless Newcastle in January have a complete turnaround and get Champions League football or even Europa League football, they're not going to get the players they want straight away. And Paul Merson was saying that the minimum players, <laughs> amount of players they need if they want to be in, you know, a better team is 17 players. And it's a lot, <laughs> but I, I, a lot. I wouldn't I necessarily because well, I think Maximan Wilson and possibly the keeper, if he's ever back from injury, Brevka, the three good players they got, like you know, the others. I mean, they're, they're you know, good Premier League players, but they're not now Newcastle's, you know, wants to be the new Man City of the league. I don't know that, that though. We, we don't know. So, okay, the fact that they were. Uh, well, they were threatening to sue because um, they couldn't necessarily sponsor themselves to, to add more cash to get them kind of going. But that's a loophole the Premier League's been trying to shut for a while now. Yeah, I think, I think people get it twisted by thinking this has just happened just now, this thing. But no, they've been talking about that for a while. Yeah. It's not just new. The, the, they don't want connected parties yeah. sponsoring the club. That's effectively how Man City have avoided financial fair play. Yeah. Effectively. They had a lot of money coming through as the sponsors yeah. of themselves. And it's just how PSG was able to afford um, Mbappe in the end because they, their owner pumped in a load of money as sponsorship 
to get the funds available for financial fair play, and that's what the Premier League has tried to stop. Well, had or has stopped bearing if there's any well, no. suing possibly happening. So at the moment, it's, it's the only moment. temporary. So it's yeah. only for three months while they they get so the they actual can't do it in January, basically. Some yeah, so I think what they were worried about was them them doing it tomorrow. Yeah. So tomorrow saying, Oh, we've paid off the previous sponsors. Here's our new sponsor. Yeah, XYZ. Yeah. 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 And that's the thing, like, I mean in say January comes around, Newcastle didn't but, spend in the summer. They didn't spend in the summer or, or not that much that I realised anyway. So they possibly could have what a good fifty million pound there. And then whatever's possible. So the figure that's been quoted quite regularly is they can spend, say, around 175 million on players. Wow. And still be within financial fair play. You've got to remember when it comes down to that is that they've been run very lean. Yeah. yeah. So effectively, what what Mike Ashley's done is he's he does what he does. He he's very good at keeping things cheap. Keeping the money in as well, and not getting yeah, outgoings. No outgoings, I suppose. Yeah. Remember, he's been trying to sell the club before we. Almost since it, when he bought it. I yeah, mean, he's been building up the money for himself to finally get, well, I'm guessing what his own back, I guess, exactly what his own back. Plus I don't know. I don't know whether or not he's made a lot of money or not. Because at the start, he place. did chuck a lot of money in. They bought Michael Owen and did a lot of. They did, that's true, yeah. yeah. So it wasn't like necessarily he, he never spent any money ever. It was just after a while he changed yeah. his strategy. Yeah, yeah. And this is the thing now, like, because. Personally, like obviously looking at Newcastle in January, if, if it's 175 million, that's it's a big old war chest. But the players they'd probably be looking to get, and they'd be silly not to try and get, is the players that are on the fringes of the likes of Man City, Man United, Chelsea, and with the amount of bloody midfielders Chelsea have, they could get a good midfield. But like Lingard, be perfect. Can't get Man United squad. Wants to play football. Look how well he did at Newcastle last. Uh, sorry, West Ham last year. He might end up being one of the ones that want to go to Newcastle because he does seem like he's a bit of about money. It's the reason why staying Man United, to be honest. They've got the players like um that can't get into Chelsea's midfield, uh like Loftus Cheek, like week in, week out. But he's playing a lot more than I thought he would have done so far this year. I think it's uh, worth pointing out that a lot of those players are players that these teams have struggled to sell. Yeah. So there's been a real problem recently with, with um big Premier League teams trying so to sell they're on as well, I think. But it's not anything that this. I mean, a lot of teams have changed their strategy. They're not about the short term. The, a lot more of the teams in the Premier League are about buying players young. It's not just Palace that, that are, are are looking younger in the transfer market. Yeah. It, it it's kind of across the board. So effectively, if you're buying a Lingard, you're buying him, and he's not going to have any resale value because in three years' time he's going to be like twenty nine. Yeah. I think if you're buying him now, he he's yours. Yeah, he's there till the end. You don't want to get any money back from it at all. No, no. I think that's what I'm saying. The reason the reason they should go off these top top players is because they're the players that will keep them definitely in this league, which is first and foremost what they need to do anyway before they stay. I'm going to buy Mbappe. I'm going to buy this. Blah blah blah. Is they need to stay in this league because if they don't stay in this league, well then. They're just a very expensive championship club until they go back up again, basically. But again, I mean, but, even when they've gone gone down under Mark Ashley, he's put the right kind of money put the in. Right money in at the right time. So obviously they won't stay down long, but then, it's, then you're back to square one is trying to convince players to then come to you again, being just coming up from the championship. And 
infrastructure there is the play you have you might get might the players that you bought in on that year or say this year have been why same maximum why why do I want to play in the championship? I want to move to another club. That's one down that you got. You know, then you got Wilson, why he, he he moved from Bournemouth because he didn't want to play in the championship. So that'd be then one more down as well. And then if you come back up then you then you've got to start all over in so then I mean you're two years behind as a new owner than your original plan of Right, let's do this. Let's uh, make Newcastle the next big thing. But I think it's probably a five-year plan, probably. Like, it's probably going to be a five-year thing. It's going to be this year, stay on the Premier League, bring in the players that will keep you up. Next year, bring in but players it, that will get you to But it, if, if it's such a long, long-term deal, why would they go for Lingard? Why would they not buy players that will grow with them rather than necessarily buy the, the older more, players that want too much money? I think can do the job right now is probably what they need. I reckon to make sure they stay up. I think Lingard's not going to be a long-term player. It's more a player that we know what he can do. Because I worked at West Ham last year, he can get you the goals and get the assists. He can keep Newcastle up, and if if they buy obviously other players around him as well, so it's not just obviously him. But players and that kind of quality that come from a team like Man United or Chelsea or Liverpool or Man City, ones that can't really get into the first team, but like the in and around play ten games a year or something like that. Or off the bench 10 minutes times that want to actually play football and i think that's where newcastle needs to be is get them players there so they've been at big clubs they come from big clubs so then they've already got kind of a bit of a big club mentality in their mind and then eventually next year newcastle want to aim for probably europe so then they go for someone say abroad that's in I don't know, maybe a marseille player or psg player that doesn't play and they you know play champs league and stuff like that you know, and then obviously they got build up from that until they finally get probably Europe. Once they get Europe, then the options probably open up a hell of a lot more from, especially with the money. And then by that time, three years down the line, that probably where the owners want to be is then keep building to the Champions League. And then Champions League build to the Premier League title, you know, Premier League and Champions League, a bit like Man City. Because it didn't happen at, like straight over like Man City, did it? They brought in Rubino, Alano, and obviously a load of other players, but they were. I think they top four, top five, you know, so like. That. I think mean, they're in a very different position when, because remember they had two different takeovers. That's oh yeah, that's right as well. Yeah. So, so yeah, yeah. yeah, the the, yeah, the, the, the Thai yeah. management um, ownership and that didn't work particularly well, no. but he still got them into Europe. Still got to Europe. That's the thing. But I think Newcastle were, at the time, Man City at the time, were sort of mid table. But at the same time, right now, Everton's got a lot of money. And effectively, they've been doing what they can to try and avoid financial fair play, and generally speaking, spent the maximum they could spend. Yeah, yeah. So effectively, just because you've got that kind of money doesn't necessarily mean that that things are going to go your way. Yeah, well, that's me. I think that's, they've just got to look at it in the long run to Newcastle. We keep on saying the long run, but you also then mention players that are probably the worst players you can sign. For this season, they, so they just need to get stay oh, up there. But, but the point is, you're, you're mentioning a player on high wages with, with zero resale value. Yeah, who's going to be stuck on your value for a team like Newcastle now? If if the if but, the owners don't but mind Mark, spending their money, be, but it doesn't matter because yeah. the point is, you still got to be smart with your money because otherwise, it will just go. It's true. If you look at Everton, Everton spends so much money. Where's it gone? It's true, and they're not got Europe to show for it still. Compared to last year, they should have got Europe, but what happened with Rodriguez? Well, 
Yeah. You assuming like, <laughs> but like, who, who have they got that they've ever kind of? They don't buy and, and, and sell. They, they, they just keep on buying and buying and buying and buying. You look at the players that have come through the gate recently. Like, they've well, always got. I think it's different with Newcastle. I think because like the players have said, yeah, they they aren't obviously got no resale, but they are players that have played in a European competition. Right. So if they do, so Rodriguez, Walcott. What are they, what are they oh, doing? No, sorry, not even them. I'm about no, 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 but, but they're players that have played at continental level and done very well at that level. Oh, right. And yeah, yeah. Like, I'm using examples of, yeah. of when Everton have bought those kind of players. No, they and they get Europe still. Yeah. 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 I think Walcott, though, has got different, like, to on right. a down, downward kind of slope at that stage in his career. Well, Sigerson's one of the very expensive players. Sigerson, now's right. No, 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 you can't. Right. Yeah. But um, <laughs> at the same time, he was a very expensive player that they brought that in. They brought him in, yeah, straight from Tottenham, wasn't it? I think. Yeah. It's Swansea. It's Swansea for, for a lot of money. No, Swansea, Tottenham, Tottenham, Devon. Is that okay? But, yeah, <laughs> but he, he was for a lot of money. He was kind of, what, 50, 60 million? I think about 50, yeah. Yeah. Okay. At the time, it was a lot of money, yeah. yeah. So, so generally speaking, they spent a lot of money on that squad. And where's it got them? I think the difference now, though, is the money situation at Newcastle is so much so much so fast I think oh, no it's not like, we don't know what it is yet had, we don't know what it is and Everton Everton is vast it well it depends if, if the if the piece at Man City because just used to say Man City money but it depends if Newcastle owners Newcastle owners are quite willing to spend the cash and splash the cash that's the thing if, if they're willing to sp- uh, splash the cash then yeah, okay, yeah, Newcastle, if it, you know, will do well. Like, but Evan, yeah, they splash the cash on one or two players, don't they? No, just generally. I mean, like, I'm not trying, trying to think of, um, yeah, but, go on, no, it's not, um, red. So, so, generally speaking, uh, Effectively, how they've managed to keep themselves going is, is they've got these kind of um, sponsorships from third parties that. Um, what's that? Yeah. Um, part of the reason why Everton haven't spent much money this season is because they, they have no money left to spend. Effectively, so what you have is. Because um, they spent it all on Rodriguez's wages last year. Well, it wasn't just his. I mean, like, so if you look at the the kind of the um, the P and L for, for twenty twenty, they lost one hundred and forty million. The year before that, they lost one hundred and eleven. Like they're they're a loss making machine. I yeah. mean, they they're generally speaking. They didn't spend a lot though. I don't think did they? Did they? They obviously spent. They spent quite a fair bit, but obviously not lots compared to other teams, I don't think, did they? No, they're one of the biggest spenders. If you look at, at clubs where they've got... That's where are they? Oh, yeah. The, the bottom and above, at that point as well. But um, the, the point that I'm trying to make about Everton is that, generally speaking, they're spending... A ridiculous amount of money, yeah, and they're losing a ridiculous amount of money. 
and they're generally speaking, they're, they're losing the maximum amount you can you can spend on a football club and stay within financial fair play. So, so effectively, if the Saudis can't find a way around financial fair play by chucking loads of money into sponsorship, which is by the looks of things, that's that door's closed. They're going to be in a similar position where they're, they're going to be in a similar budget of, with Everton. So they need to basically, yeah, just they need to get the results faster and really get them into Europe to get that money, basically, so they can spend crazy. Unless obviously by the summer, it's they're allowed to do the whole sponsorship thing, of course. The thing with that is, is that the what what the recent vote was about was was buying time for them to then bring in what the final rules are going to be. Yeah, and so change rules by then, possibly. Yeah, yeah. So, so yeah, just looking at the um the highest ever Premier League losses um, before tax, um as of December twenty twenty. So there's other teams that have released the results results since that might have been added to the list. Mm. But Everton have third and fifth on that list. Yeah. Man City way above on top there though. <laughs> Jeez. Yeah, so they had one season at 198, yeah. and then Chelsea had one season at 140. Actually, they're joint second, really. Because, yeah, Chelsea. Oh, 148, yeah. 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 So then effectively, and then they had that. It's 130, it was 112. Chelsea won there a lot. <laughs> Hell of a lot. <laughs> that's over a couple of decades, though. That's not. Yeah, a... yeah. So generally speaking, they're not QPR at all. Yeah. So the point with this is is that, that generally speaking, there are there are teams in the Premier League that spend a lot of money, but you wouldn't necessarily look at them and be like, "That's a really expensive team." Yeah. Yeah. And it doesn't necessarily mean that there will be a team that would um, challenge for the Champions League necessarily. But effectively, that they would be a team that would. I think that's what they want to do with these new owners, isn't it? They want to make the new owners. I don't know because the, the, the they, point I mean, they get the, the crowds, they get the crowd there week in week out. What's so it, fifty-five thousand or whatever it is? Maybe a little bit more. And, I mean, uh, that helps, but it's not necessarily because uh... nobody else. Um, anywhere, they got Andy Lorigan as their third choice keeper. But he always, he's, he must be about forty-five, isn't he? For years. That's Everton, yes. <laughs> Dude, like, the thing is with Everton, like, the smart move getting um, Tamago Gray for that price, then. Can't a million quid. <laughs> was in the end. He was, but then you've got to look at who he's. Who, he, 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 yeah. Do you see what I mean, though? Like, they've got a lot of players in that squad that are. That could be one that Newcastle probably will probably go after actually in Carlson. Because he's always touted to go to somewhere big, but I just don't think he's good enough. I don't I don't think they got him much. I don't think they bought him much. Really? Yeah. Well, generally speaking that they're um, yeah. Well they might have got a couple of bargains here and there, generally speaking. The well, players... Sigurdsson, they bought Sigurdsson at what probably close to eight, nine years ago now. He's been there a long time now, hasn't he? Um, with um, Ricardson was pretty good five years ago now as well. It's been there a long time, but yeah, I don't know. Chelsea um, teams nowadays spend a lot of money on 
different players, didn't they? Obviously, Everton's not doing just just Everton doing that kind of thing. Tottenham, I suppose, doing a similar thing, and they're not getting anywhere. In. No, oh, Tottenham don't spend anyway. That's that's the opposite problem. So they were actually a target for the Saudis, um, but they couldn't reach a price on it. Oh, really? Because th- they've run very lean. They're very the opposite. They're, they're a profit making machine. Yeah. So effectively, they're the one of the best one. If you're running a club as a business, Tottenham are the best one. Mm. So generally speaking, that's that's the complete opposite side of the spectrum. If anything, you can kind of have a go at them for not spending enough on players to reinvest the money that they're, they're bringing in. Would would Newcastle be um, cocky enough to cheeky bid for Harry Kane in January? Hundred and fifty million quid. But then that's most. That's the most of their money gone. That's the yeah, problem. That's the thing, though. That like, would they be cocky enough? Like, that's sadly, it's sadly um, owners now thinking, "Fuck it, let's just buy one really good fucking player," and someone clearly doesn't want to be a Tottenham. <laughs> like, some ways his performance has been this year. And Man City weren't willing to fork out the money for him. I think that, 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 that kind of answers what the problem is, is that they weren't really... Weren't willing to do it. So I was just having a look at Everton's accounts from um, 18 to 19. And their, um, the cost of the squad that they have was 362. So that's what, the 25-man squad, basically. So that's how many. That's how much money they spent on transfer fees for the players that they've currently got, or currently had at that point in time. At that point in time, yeah. So it's not like, yeah, that they're, they're cheap. No, no. I mean, what is nowadays in football? That's the thing. Isn't isn't many at all, is there? And this is just comparing the same year of Palace's players, is it? Yeah, I'm just going to bring up what what Palace. And we were spending a decent amount at that point in time. Or well, had had at one point when I was second. So we were good intention. Yes, yeah, so at cost we were two hundred and eight. So that's a about a third of it. Uh, was it 323 or something, wasn't it? 320, something like that. So I'm judging really less. That was the no, time so, so, yeah. we wasn't spending anything on it. No, no, no. These years. are the players that we bought. So, so it would include oh, Sacco's fee. It would include Benteke's fee. Right. We weren't a cheap squad. Mm. We just hadn't spent money recently. But we were a very expensive squad. As part of the reason why we didn't spend money was because we already spent it. Much, yeah. Yes. Yeah. In previous seasons. And Everton at that point now themselves. Were effective, they've spent too much money on the spreads and they've got no money to move so around. They're now, doing what we've done for the last three years basically, to yes. Do, so that's why they've been getting yeah. gray on, on the cheap and getting Andros as, as a free transfer. Yeah, I think it's free as well. There have been so the recent transfers have been free transfers because they haven't got much wriggle room with financial fair play. Mm. Yeah, um, so generally speaking, with well, Newcastle. But yeah, so, so if they spend money and they spend it badly, they'll be in the same position as, as Everton. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Um, right, should we uh, call it then? Yeah, if I can yeah. find how to turn the thingy off. <laughs> so it's in one of them somewhere. Yeah, I've got too many tabs. <laughs> too many tabs open, that's it. Ah. <laughs>
Should be up at the top somewhere. <laughs> there is. It. Oh, we're All right, so yeah, we'll call it a night. Um, thanks for listening out if you are listening to my our podcast. It would have been for the Lover Palace. I've been Mark. I'm Chris, and I'll see you later. We've got it right this week. We'll see you later. <laughs>